Darren, if you can give her, give her an applause. I'll pass it over to her. So I know you've just sat down, but I just want to invite you all to stand up for a moment again. Um, and just, let's just start with a word of prayer. Um, yeah, Lord, I just thank you that you are God. I thank you that you are so far above it all. And Lord, we just give this time to you and we just ask that you speak this morning. Um, Lord, we just, we just give our hearts to you and we say, speak to us. We open up to whatever it is you have to say. Uh, and Lord, I just give myself to you as well and say, use me as you want to. Um, and I, do you want to just, just grab hands with someone or, or lay hands on someone? Let's just pray for each other um, that, that we'll hear something from God this morning. Yeah, Lord, we just welcome your presence in this place. Just welcome your Holy Spirit to come and do as you want to do, Lord. Yeah, Lord, just release your Holy Spirit in this place, Lord, to bring revelation into hearts. Father, I just thank you for how much you love everyone here. I want to thank you that your desire is to know each person intimately and for them to know you intimately, Lord. Amen. Cool. Um, so, this is really cheesy, but can we just start with the Lord's Prayer? Um, so, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, so I got you to pray that prayer, because uh, what I want to speak to you guys about this morning um, is your will be done. On heaven, as I mean, on earth as it is in heaven, um, and I think quite often we we go through that prayer and we we just say it because we know it and it rolls off our tongue, um, and we even say it with old English, but we don't even speak like that anymore. Yet all of us naturally would say it like that. It's just it just rolls off the tongue. But but do we really know what it means to do His will on earth as it is in heaven? And I think so often we, we can think that, um, but, but do, we, do we recognize that actually to do his will on earth as it is in heaven, we need to see heaven. We need to hear heaven. Um, last week when Adi was preaching, he touched on, on the fact that we need to be intimate with God. We, we need to know him intimately. And, and this has just been what's playing on my heart, how actually we need to know God so intimately that, that we reflect him in everything we do. That, that when, when hardships come, it's Jesus that oozes out of us. And, and um, I think this morning, it's time that we align ourselves with heaven and we say we are not having any of earth touching us. We are not having any of the lies in us. We're not having any of the distraction in us. We're not having any of, of that in our heads, our hearts, and our spirits. We are eyes fixed on heaven, stepping in tune with heaven's beat, and, and that's it, full stop. I refuse to do anything other than that. And, and we need to have that spirit that says, I refuse to step in time with earth because I am God's. And I step in time with heaven. I step in time with his heartbeat. I step in time with his plan and his will only. And um, 
And so I was, I was praying about what to bring, and, and I had so many things come to my head, as often you do. And, and God gave me a picture on Tuesday night um, of, like, he's been showing me the different seasons of the church, and he showed me a picture of, of the church rising up as an army, like on the edge of a field. And I really felt like God was saying, it is time for us to take the next field. It is time for us to step into the new ground that he's given. And, and so often when we think of new ground, we just think of saving souls. And I feel like he's saying, that's just a tiny part. Like, that is awesome, and he wants that. He wants the whole world to see his glory. He wants every heart to know him, but that is just a tiny part of what he has in store. He has so much in store for us. He has in store for us that we all look like Jesus. That miracles outpour of everything we do. That his presence walks in when we walk in the room. He has in store for us that we know his heartbeat all the time. He has in store for us that his glory surrounds us everywhere. That we carry it into every place that we go. But do we really get that? I think so often we, we, we kind of get that we're meant to look like Jesus. We kind of get that Christian means Christ-like. But I think so often we can think, but I'm not God. Like we, we look at Jesus, and he's such an amazing character. He's witty. He's funny. He's, he's genius. He's, he's carrying God in everything because he is God, and we think we can't reach that. We look at Jesus, and we say, nah, he's God. We, we, we almost stop striving because he's the son of God. But what are we? Did, didn't Christ earn the right for us to be the son of God? Actually, He did. He, he paid the price that we would be adopted. We now have his birthright. We are now the son of God. We are now that manifest in the world. We should be the ones that pull heaven down in this earth in all its fullness. We, we should not be the ones that carry this British attitude of I can't be the big one, of I can't be big-headed and I'm too scared that I'll look proud. Really, guys, like, I've had enough of it. I have had enough of feeling like I've got to step out I mean, step off of what it is God's given me because it's too big for a little person like me. Wait a minute, who's our God? Like, yes, we're small. Yes, we are just little people. But we have God inside of us. We are the sons of God. And I think it's about time that we got that revelation. We are the sons of God. So, so when I saw this picture of, of this army rising up and all it was that God wanted us to start claiming and start owning and, and that was there for us to have, I saw people get shot. Because the enemy, we're in a battle. Like Ephesians says it clear out. This is a battle. And people get shot. We've all been hit, all of us. We've all been hit by, by sin. We've all been hit by hardships. We've all probably been hit by health. We've, there's many things that have got us. But how do we react? What is our heart's response when we get hit? I saw, I saw some people get hit and go down like it was a physical thing. You saw the arrow go and there was a hardship that got them. Whereas other people, they just looked around and was like, oh, I can't do this. Who am I to do this? This isn't my place. I'm not part of the army. What is going on here? I just sat down. Like, I, I can't do this. And, and I think it's time we shift that. And let's align ourselves with heaven this morning. Actually, that God has a set place for each one of us in his army. And as soon as we all stand in that place, things are going to change. 
And one thing God's really shown me about the whole thing of an army lately is that if you, if you look at the way armies function, they have each other's back. If, if one of them comes out of rank, the whole thing falls apart. If one of them was to, to sort of sit down and can't be bothered, there's a hole. And it's time we all stood up and took our place. It's time we said, okay, I'm the ear of the church, and I don't mind being identified because I'm here to serve the church, and stop being scared of using our gifts. I'm talking to myself as well. I mean, I've just been talking to Aidy this week about how much I've been the one that's chickened out and been scared of using my gifts. But I'm standing here to say, it's time to use it. And I think we've got afraid of being what God's made us to be because we're scared that's too big for us. But it isn't. Otherwise, God would not have given us it. It's about time we stop being scared of being big and start stepping into God's, God's plan. It's okay to identify that you have a gift. It's okay to identify that you are royalty. It's okay to stand up and be counted. It is okay. It is okay. It's not proud. It's humble. Actually, it's humble to say, I'm going to give my life. These are my gifts. How can they be used in this church? It is humble to say, I'm going to put aside my fear of being too small, my fear of being too big, my fear of what people think, all the things that go on in my head that go crazy and be counted in this army. And, and like as I was sort of praying about this and, and feeling this massive, I sort of really felt this battle cry cry up, like I wanted to just, I've had enough, you know, I've had enough of seeing the church sit down and not fight for the things you should fight for, including myself. I've had enough of seeing people get wounded, and because they're wounded and hurt, they push everything away and they don't want anymore. They push everything away. They even push God away. Like, our natural reaction when we get hurt is we don't want anyone near us. We don't want vulnerability because it hurts. But we've got to let him near. We've got to pull close. We've got to let the battle pull us closer to him. Um, we, uh, we've got to. And, yeah. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus said that he only did as he saw his father doing. And we need to be the same. We need to let go of this thing that says, I'm not Jesus. Because that's what we're called to be. So I'm going to look at this from the perspective of someone that's not Jesus so we can see that people can react well as well. People can have a good heart too. God can be pleased with people that aren't God, that aren't Jesus. Um, So I just want to take you to the story of Job. In chapter 2. No, sorry, chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 13. So that's Job 1, verse 13. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the, and the donkeys feeding beside them and the, the Sabines fell upon them. They took them and struck, them, struck down the servants with the edge of their sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. Yet while he was speaking, another came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep 
and the servants consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet there came another who said, the, that word, formed three groups and made, the, made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, there was another that said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine the oldest, at the oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead, and I alone escaped to tell you. Job then arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from the mother's room, womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. And like, it's one thing to see Jesus on the cross pouring out mercy at his darkest time, at his hardest time. But actually, this just proves that humans, us, also have the capacity that in the midst of losing everything, in the midst of absolute heartbreak, he didn't just lose stuff. He lost all his kids. Like... I cannot even begin to imagine the heart wrench of losing all your kids. I can't. I mean, my dad's ill. He's not, he's not dead, he's ill. And yet that breaks my heart. So to, to see this and his response and fell on the ground and worshipped. And I think so often we can worship God for the good things he's done. We can worship God because we're like, oh, Jesus saved us. Awesome, which is true, and that's great. But in the midst of the heartbreak, in the midst of confusion and chaos and losing everything, can we say our response is to turn around and worship? Can we say that we still know, it says here, he did not charge God with wrong. Can we still say that we know God's not done anything wrong? Like, the Bible is pretty clear that it's the enemy, like pre- prior to that, you see, you see Satan come to God and say, like, can I, can I do, ruin his life, basically. It's the enemy that destroys him. And so often when we go through mess, we go, God, why did you take them from me? God, why did you let that happen? God, why did you ruin my life? God, why did you do this? Why are you causing this? But here, we didn't charge God with wrongdoing. And so often, that's one of the enemy's biggest tactics, is to turn us away from God, turn us to hate God. Like, I can remember um, towards the end of my first year at Mattersea, I was sat on the train just sort of chatting with God like I do, and I had this moment where I suddenly realized that my perspective of God was just way off. Like, I, I, um, like... Yeah. Life had been pretty hard, like father figure-wise, and we'd not really had a good solid father figure. It had been a bit messy. But then we had a really good dad come in, and I fell for him. And it was like, yes, I finally have a daddy that I can call dad and mean it with all my heart and feel secure and have a normal family. And then when my mum got married to him, we found out he had a brain AVM. And my world fell apart. And I was like, God, are you having a laugh? Like, is this just a big joke? 
Like, that was my reaction. I was like, so all this time, because up to then, God, I, I, I'd always been quite close with God all my life. And, and I knew his voice. And I spent so much time just listening and talking to him. He was my best friend. He kept me going through everything. And, and when I was a kid, it was when, when I saw my mum being abused, it was like God would show me, it's okay, this is what's going to come out of it. This is the good thing that's going to come out of that. This is, and all the way through, it was this is the good thing that's going to come out of that. This is why it's okay right now. That I'm going to give you this, and, and this is going to happen, and it's okay. Like, all the way through. And then suddenly, I've got a good dad. I think he's going to die. It looks like he's going to die. And God gives me no answer. No response. So I'm just like, my world is falling apart. And, and I just thought, it, I've just blamed it all on God. That was my natural response. But I didn't even realize that I'd done that until, well, that I'd kept that. I thought I'd dealt with it and got rid of it. Until the end of my, my first year at Mattersea. When I suddenly realized, actually, in my head, God was this God that had me in a box where I do this bad thing to you, and it makes you who I want you to be. I do this bad thing to you, and you get, you get more patient, or you get more um, courageous, or you learn to fight, and it's something I want you to have. And I sort of got this twisted idea that, that God was making bad things happen so that I would become who he wanted me to be. But that was just my way of coping. But then God took me through this massive season of just pouring out, this is how much I love you, I love you, I love you. And I think so often it, we blame God for stuff that he didn't do. Like he, he loves us so much. And actually this whole thing of his will on earth as it is in heaven, it is our job to stand and say no. It's our job to stand in the gap and say, I am not having this. His will on earth as it is in heaven. His will on earth. And it's about time that we stopped being cowardly and started stepping up. It's about time that we interceded for the things that break his heart and stopped saying, oh, maybe it's God's will and just leave it. Maybe it is, but why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him? Like, how are we meant to know what God's will is if we're not asking him? And so, so often it's easier, it is easier to just pass the book and go, yeah, maybe it's not God's will. I mean, maybe it is God's will. Maybe it's not. But are we willing to ask? And when we've asked, are we willing to apply it? Are we willing to stand in the gap for our, for our friend that doesn't know God and say, God, what's your will for them? Can I tell them? Are we willing to say, God, what's your will? What's your will for Tim's life? God, what is it? Let me bring heaven on earth in his life. Are we willing to do that? Because it costs us. But are we willing? And another thing that, um, that just dropped, was dropped on my heart was in Ezekiel, where he sees these, this, this valley of bones, and his response when he is... God, it's, it's straight away, God, what do you say? Because God says that they're going to live. It's like, only if you say it. But I'm telling you, God has said it over this nation that it will be restored. How many times have we heard the prophecies that God's going to pour out his spirit? Yeah, we just go, oh, he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. No, God said it, so let's stand and declare it. God said it, so let's stand and watch it happen and make it happen. Let's walk into it and not just watch someone else do it. 
Because so often we can sit back and go, oh, the pastor is the one who prays. The pastor can make it happen. He can look after everyone. That's the pastor's job. No, it's the church's job. Actually, if you look at Ephesians 4, 11, where it talks about the pastor, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist, and the other one, apostle, thank you. Um, it actually says they are to equip the saints, which suggests that the saints do the work. It suggests that actually the leaders give you the tools and you go and do it. So actually Adrian's job and John's job and and people here that are leading you guys is to give you the tools to go and change the world, to go and bring heaven on earth, to bring the restoration that God has promised us. God promised us that if we will humble ourselves and cry out for this land, that he will restore it. So why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? Do we just not think that we've got it in us? Because if we've got God inside us, and that's what the Holy Spirit is, then there's no reason we couldn't see it happen. Hmm. But I just think it's really important right now that we decide that no matter what is going on around us, we choose we're going to take heaven's eyes. We, we don't want to sit in the middle of sit in the middle of a forest lost going, what the heck is going on here? When we could just say, God, what's going on here? And him actually tell us. It says in James, um, let me find it. James, I think it's 1.5. No, I'll just say it. It says in James 1.5 um, that he who lacks wisdom, let him ask and God will give it. And, and that is actually, I, I do want to find it, sorry, just a second. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone lacks wisdom, wait, let, me, let me start a bit further back. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that in the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And steadfastness has its full effect. No, sorry, let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generous, general, gen, I can't speak today generously, sorry, um, to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask him of faith. So there, actually, God's saying that he who lacks wisdom, ask for it and I'll give it, is in the context of suffering. It's in the context of trials. So we're going through these trials, and we, we what we do is we turn and blame God. We run away from God. We, we be all hurt and self-pity. And we get ourselves all, oh, somebody come and help me. It's like, well, turn to God. He says, if you lack wisdom, ask for it and I'll give you it. As I give all things generously. That you'll be complete and perfect, lacking nothing. Does that not sound like love to you? And I think we just need to get it. that he, he loves us so intimately. He wants us to draw near. And the enemy plays all these games to try and pull us away. And we need to call, let them things cause us to draw near. Actually, they need to be the things that we flip and we go, no, I'm going to run to Jesus now. No matter how, the times that it's hardest are the times we should be running to Jesus. The times where you think, oh, I just don't know that I can handle praying this morning. Because sometimes it feels like that. 
Sometimes you think, oh, if I spend time praying, God's going to touch this thing and that hurts and I know that's going to happen and I don't want to do it today. Or we can have times where we think, I know that I did something bad yesterday and as soon as I get in God's presence, he's going to go, that's got to change. And I'm scared of that happening because I don't want to give that up. Or we can, we can, we can know that he's going to ask us to do something. We can, we can get in his presence and we sort of feel that nudge that actually we need to start sharing the gospel or we need to start giving prophetic words or we need to start doing something that's stepping out of our comfort zone so we can have a phase where we're like, oh, no, I don't want God's presence today. But all we're doing is running away from bringing heaven on earth. And how much do we want to see heaven on earth? How much do we want to see his will on earth as it is in heaven? Because that's what our lives are all about. That's what it's all about. It, so often we overcomplicate. We, we start making rules and, and ways of doing it. We, we, we think of all these strategies and, and the way it should be done. And it is simple. It is so, so simple. His will on earth as it is in heaven. How do we know that? We ask him. How do we know that? We see, we seek, we watch, we listen. And we do what we, we hear our Father doing. It is so simple. It just takes guts. It takes pure guts. But are we willing? Are we willing? We see right at the start with Genesis 1, um, no, sorry, Genesis 3, verse 1, where the enemy says to Eve, did God really say that? Did God really say you can't eat from that tree? Which is straight out, it's questioning God's voice. We need to know God's voice. We need to recognize what is and isn't God's voice. And, and how do we recognize someone's voice? Well, how do we recognize a person's voice? It's quite simple. But you just get to know them. At first, you can't recognize it. But after you've heard it for a while, it's been confirmed a few times, you, you recognize it. Like I can remember when, when I was probably about eight or nine, but back in Adrian's church back then, and um, I was sat there and I had this picture. I can't remember it very well, but it was something to do with a wall. And, and I was like, I felt like I was going to throw up. I was like, I know I've got to share this with the church, but I'm like eight, nine years old. They're not going to listen to me. I'm just a kid. And then I sat there like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Sort of, God, God, help me. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. And next thing I know, some guy from the back of the church who's like one of the old prophetic guys that everyone knows is prophetic and they trust what he says straight away, comes up and gives that exact picture that God had given me. I was like, okay, it was God. <laughs> it was God. And then my nana, who I'd not told about this, was sat behind me and she sort of leans forward, taps me on the shoulder and goes, you missed out on a blessing there. I'm like, darn it. <laughs> and, and so I find there's been a lot of times where you're sort of like, is it God's voice? Isn't it God's voice? And God confirms it with something. Or you're sort of like, you kind of know it is, but you don't dare. And then you watch someone else do it and you think, oh, I could have done that. I could have been the one that, that fixed that thing there. And we all have it in us that we, we, we get joy out of making people's world okay. We get joy out of, because that's like Jesus. We were made in his image. Um, yeah, but I, I, um, one of my favorite analogies that, that sort of make me see the importance of really knowing God is this in, in um, I love Narnia. So in the last battle, which is the final book, um, there's, there's an ape that comes and tries to control the place. Like, so he, he gets, he's got this friend donkey who he like absolutely manipulates. He tears him apart, ruins his confidence, and then just uses him, basically. And um, they, they're down the river, and they find this lion skin. 
And of course, in this, the lion is the boss. He's the one that, um, Aslan is the one that runs the place, kind of representative of God. And, um, and so the, the, the ape, who's trying to run the place, trying to destroy everything and manipulating this donkey, makes the, like, sews the, coat, the, the lion skin together so it'll fit the donkey and, and then manipulates the donkey to make him wear it. And so the donkey puts this lion skin on and this is what the author says about it. So no one who had ever seen a real lion would have taken it in for a moment. But someone who had never seen a lion looked at Puzzle in his lion skin. He might just mistake him for a lion. If he didn't come too close and if the light was not too good and if Puzzle didn't let out a bray or make any noise with his hoofs. And, and that just shows how if we've not seen God, like really seen God, if we don't really know God, then we'll get mistaken. Like things will, the enemy tries to make himself look like God so often. Like that is one of his, one of his things he likes to do because he wants to be God. And, and if we don't know God, we'll fall for him. We're trying to see heaven on earth that we know God, that we know his word, which reveals his character and his heart. And, and anything that we hear that doesn't reflect God's character and his heart, it's not God. He is not going to contradict his word. He's not con- going to contradict his character. He is an all-loving God. And, and that's another thing that, that right at the start we see the enemy question. is did God really say you couldn't have this? Like he's, God's holding something back from them. And, and it sort of questions whether he really loves them, whether he really cares. Didn't you know this would be the case? And, and we need to know that God loves us. Like he says in, um, in John 10, it says, I lay down my life for my sheep. He loves us to death. And we, we see that because he did literally love us to death. And we need to get that so that the enemy can't tell us that's not true. And, and we, we've got to know that we know that we know that his ways are higher than ours. So even if we don't understand, they're for the best. But we also need to know that we've asked him what's going on. And we're not just getting swayed away with the wind. Um, yeah, so we need to pull close right now. In this time where it's battle time, there's times where I have, I, I saw it in the spirit, but I've known it because of talking to you guys that things are getting hard right now. People are getting hit all over the place. People are getting ill. People are, are losing things. Like, there's so much going on. And we have got to stand and say, I'm not having it anymore. We've got to stand and say, that, that wound I have from the thing that hit me years ago, I'm not having that anymore. God, come and heal me. So I want to invite you guys to either, if you feel like you need healing, if there's things that, that, that need healing. Wait a minute, one more thing. One more thing. <laughs> um, this whole thing of holiness is so important. And it's another thing the enemy tries to trick us on that God's trying to hold stuff back from us. He's not. Like, people think that it's all about rules and regulations because God's trying to put us in a box or he's trying to hold us from the fun stuff. And, and it's just not the truth. Like, if you, you, you see in the... Um, I can't remember where it is. I've got it somewhere here. Somewhere in the Bible. No, I'm joking, sorry. In Ephesians 4, verse 27... It says, don't let the enemy get a foothold. But when you, when you look at it in context, it's all about, um, it is all about sin. And, and so often we think 
that God's saying be holy so that he's controlling us or all that sort of stuff. When actually, God wants us to be holy because the things that he's put rules against, the rules are there to protect us. Everything that is the other side, everything that's sin is all damaging. It's all something that's going to let the enemy in and, and give him something that he can wreck us with. So holiness is not at all about being controlled by God or about being within his strict lines. It is about living life to the fullness, living life free of mess, living life free of guilt and shame, living life free of the things that are going to destroy us. And I mean, if, we, if that doesn't convince us in itself, surely... If holiness wasn't the best way to live, God wouldn't have lived that way himself. Because actually, Jesus is God. So Jesus walked this earth as a person. And if holiness wasn't the best life, I don't think he would have chosen it. He wouldn't. So if it's good enough for God himself, I'm sure it's good enough for us. So yeah, if, if you guys feel like there's something that's hurt you, because often even sin comes out of pain as well. Like I, often when God's dealt with my sin, it's always been through a healing. It's been God's healed something that's triggered that sin. And maybe we need to be more merciful with people and more forgiving and healing with people that are sinning rather than just telling them off. But if you feel like something's hurt you and it's causing you to be fearful, it's causing you to hold back, it's causing you to not take your place, it's causing you to do something you don't want to do, it's causing you even just to feel pain then I want to invite you to come and respond and ask God to heal that. And if, and like, if you just want to choose to stand, we are gonna, we're going to sing a song. Um, we're going to sing Our Father, which is basically the Lord's Prayer, but it talks about earth on it as it is in heaven. And we are going to stand and we are going to declare that over this place, that we are going to fight to see earth as it is in heaven in Rotherham. So if you, if you feel like you need healing, come to the front and we'll, we'll pray for you. Um, but let's just stand and declare that here we are having heaven on earth. Here we refuse to let anything be the case other than God's will be done. If you're tired and you are thirsty, 